0: Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection, and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I was today years old when I was today years old. It is a colloquial expression used to convey astonishment or surprise upon learning something new. Or realizing something for the first time. So when you hear someone say, I was today years old. And um, and I found myself saying that this morning. Today is Sunday and I've been up since... I didn't get up really early. I think I got up at about 4. That's pretty standard for me. Um, to say early would be like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And yes, I do that as well. Because... Um, I read several times. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I have read several times that prophets get up early in the morning. I've also heard great leaders get up early in the morning. And what I am going to embrace is that inidominus for me requires me to, requires me to get up early. And see, I go to bed with a lot of data, a lot of experiences. And then as I sleep, my brain begins to put things together. And I wake up when it's like when the, the cake is ready in the oven and the timer goes off, ding, it's ready. That's what waking up for me is like, okay, we're ready. We have things downloaded. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get it out. Let's get it on paper. Let's create or whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing with those um, NI discoveries. And so... Um, yeah, so I, I, I get up early in the morning. I said all I had to say. I get up early in the morning. And um, today is no different from any other day. I woke up with a lot of important downloads. And I was trying to think about what I was going to say to you all. I want to say this. I want to say that. And what kept coming back to me is I was today years old. And so I'd like to, I don't I don't have a lot of time um, this morning. I'm, I'm going to go to a church service i have to tell you about that after i go and so i really only have about 30 minutes to connect and i haven't done a 30 minute reflection with you all in a long time so if it goes over 30 minutes then i'm not going to church (laughs) so if i fall into a rabbit hole and i decide that nope i'm going to stay with this reflection and i'm not going to go to church today then (laughs) you already know what it is but my intention is to just talk to you for about 30 minutes do a reflection, and I do want to come back um, and do another one for today. Well, we'll see. Okay. Hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner, my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. I actually use a number of theories, but personality theory is my driving is my driver. The two theories I use the most regarding personality theory would be the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ-8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. And I know there was a time when I said I was going to flip those. I always say educator first and social science second because I've made my money primarily, my, my living as an educator. But one of the things that I'm coming to terms with, being that I'm today years old, is that I'm really, really a social scientist first. I've said it before, but for whatever reason... I'm having a hard time integrating it. So let's try that today. I'm a social scientist and educator of about 30 years. Half of that time it's been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, just to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right? It's been a minute since I've ad-libbed my disclaimers, <laughs> but that felt good because I just wanted to, those disclaimers mean something, and I just wanted to calibrate and connect those disclaimers to where I'm at in my thinking today. So there you have it. So I was today years old, and um, I had three conversations this week that I could tell you about um, as I tell you more about that Um, What did they say? What did Google say that colloquial means? It means astonishment or surprise upon learning something new or realizing something for this first time. So I had three conversations that really helped me to realize some things. I think, I feel that, although I'm not yet able to articulate it. Um, So there were three conversations and I also had some readings. Um, probably because of those conversations, I went and did some readings. And I learned something there too. And I've had some experiences. This week has been really interesting. Just very, very interesting. So um I'm here to kinda of talk a little bit about that. I don't know what I should start off with first. The events, the conversations or the readings. I think I want to try to just start off by telling you where I'm at spiritually. Like, what is the learning? And then I'll back into those events if I have time. So, God, this is hard. So one way, one way to do it is to talk about the instinct, the, my instinctual stack. So you guys have heard me talk about this with the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a personality system where there are nine personalities, nine personality types, and each type um, has a relationship, uh, has a particular relationship with an emotion, with a core emotion. And within that relationship with that core emotion, you have an instinctual stack and so there are three instincts social, sexual, and self preservation. And we each have what's called an instinctual stack. So either you're social first, sexual second, self preservation third, or self preservation first, sexual second, social third. You guys understand what I'm saying? And that stack gives nuance to the personality type. So there are nine personality types, three emotions. Um, and those three emotions give us a relationship to the body in unique ways. So, for those of us who are in the anger emo- connected to the em- anger emotion, that puts us w- in the body. It connects us to our gut in the body. That means we're gut. We are actually instinctual. And I'm saying we because I am in the. I am in the anger cluster as an eight. So, it gives us um, a, a relationship to the body. And then within that relationship to the body, we then have nuance because of our instinctual stack. So, I've just accepted that I'm a social first, self preservation second, and sexual third. And this morning, a few times, what's popped up for me is that I don't, I, there's a part of me that wants to interrogate. The sexual part of me, not sexual as in intercourse, sexual intercourse, but as sexual as in, as in intensity, intense creation. Because if I'm truthful, that's exactly what the first half of life was about. It was all about creating, being a creator in the world. Well, isn't that sexual? Um, and I've also acknowledged, I've acknowledged that The self-preservation me has never really been prioritized. And here's the complication with self-preservation for me. So I currently identify as sex, uh, excuse me, self-preservation as being second in my stack. That social is first, which is odd because social for me doesn't mean I need to have one-on-one relationships with people. And that's how sexual is created Is defined Sexual is defined as wanting to have these intense Romantic Creative energies with people And one thing I thought about actually yesterday Is I don't know if we have The Enneagram right And and I don't even know If we have the Myers-Briggs right I see I think those two together Those two systems together Get us closer to the truth of the personality So And this is something that I've been playing with. I've said it. I'm calibrating it. And I do expect to get credit for this. So if I ever find anybody saying this, you're going to have to document that you said it before I did. Right? And so I've been saying this for about three years, at least, in this project. And then I can have it. I have it on record and saying it in other projects. Uh, I'm ready to go toe-to-toe because as an INTJ, we believe in credit, giving credit where credit is due. And I want credit. So... (laughs) Just me, right? With my little five followers. (laughs) That's just in this project, y'all. You know, I have followers in other spaces. But anyway, what I've been working on is the blending of these two systems. And so what I've said up until today is that the Myers-Briggs is cognitive, it represents your cognitive orientation. And then the Enneagram connects to the Psychosocial orientation Mm. Yes Sometimes I play around with saying The Enneagram deals with your emotional orientation Because it's based on three core emotions Right? See that makes sense to say it that way It's based on your emotional orientation Yep Because that feels better, number one. Because what did I just say? The Enneagram is based on three core emotions, okay? But number two, both systems are psycho- are about our psychological orientations. The Midas Briggs just deals with the psyche, the psychology of us, through our cognitive orientation, and then the Enneagram deals with the psycho- psychological orientation through the emotional. And I think that there's a social aspect. So I've been saying, what have i been saying, psychosocial. I've also said social, emotional. I've been playing around there, all right? So either way. So I think what I'm going to say is one is cognitive orientation. The other one is social, emotional orientation. Okay, I like that. And that they both deal with us, deal with the psychological self. So we have the body, but we also have, and we have the brain, but we have this, Psychology of who we are And anyway, I'm playing I'm stumbling here, but hopefully you get the gist of it So yesterday um, I was thinking, maybe earlier this week I was thinking about how the what, got, what was confusing for me In terms of trying to delineate And say, okay, the Enneagram Is going to deal with the emotional Because Myers-Briggs deals with that The feelings, right So in the Myers-Briggs system You have a feeling function no matter if it's at the top of your stack or at the bottom of your stack, and I'm sorry if you guys are new to personality theory, because I'm saying stack. I just got through talking about the instinctual stack to the Enneagram, but in the Myers Briggs, there's a stack as well. It's called the cognitive stack. All right. Well, regardless of where your feeling function is in your cognitive stack, you have one, right? It can be in the primary space, the secondary space, space the third, the tertiary space or the inferior fourth space, but it's in your stack all the same. Then that made me go to this place of differentiating between emotions and feelings. This is not my area of research. This is something I've just learned in the last five years. I don't have it perfected yet. So let me just give you what I have for now. If you have it better and you want to correct me, I'm here for that. Just send me a message. You're in idom.wordpress.com. Okay, so but how I understand it now, how I'm making sense of it is that we all have emotions, period. It's what we do with those emotions, which dictate feelings. So feelings are how we process our emotion. It's how we intellectually understand our emotions. So even if you don't intellectually intellectualize those emotions, even if you don't analyze, make sense of them, they're there. Because it's very, we have this old, animal brain where emotions are key and if I had time today I would take you to um, some reading that I'm going back to from Howard Gardner the seven multiple intelligences and I've been reading about what I believe my primary giftedness is in the intelligences and it's actually in the personal the personal intelligences which is something I really want to unpack with you all but I gotta unpack it with myself first right because i also know i'm highly analytical. Well, if i'm highly analytical, why are the personal intelligences? My why why am i there? Because to me when i read um personal intelligences, it really speaks to emotions. But not for me. I think i'm gifted in the intel- in the personal intelligences because i am highly analytical and all of the subcomponents of that. Anyway, i'm in the weeds here. So let me scale back out. Something in that reading, when I was reading it a couple of weeks ago, talked about if we did not have access to frameworks and vocabulary and language, without having access to language, we would be functioning at the, at basic, at the basic level with emotions. The only way we're able to get advanced as a human species, the only way we're able to be advanced is because we have access to words and language. That's deep to me, you all. That without words, we would just all be walking around with these emotions. Right? So it's through the words and the language that I do, that I'm able to go back and analyze the emotions of people and understanding what to do with that. Doesn't mean I want to emotionally connect to them, but I am hyper, I'm hyper analytical as it relates to people's emotions. Their motives, their moods, and how they work together to produce, right? And it's because of that giftedness, I'm able, when, when, when a human trusts me, I'm able to take them very, very far. That is my superpower. Hands down. One of the things I'm learning as I am becoming today years old, right? One of the things that I'm discovering is that People aren't. uh, Adults are not going to trust you as easily that way, and they're going to fight and resist. Okay, that's not a problem. The that's not. It's not a problem at all. The question that that is that is before me is: Where do I want to spend the bulk of my energy? Do I want to spend the bulk of my energy trying to convince adults to trust me? Because if you trust me, if you trust me, I have a superpower as it relates to the personal intelligences, and if you trust me, I can get you to be at high levels of production, high levels of development. But if you don't trust me, am I going to spend time fighting with you? And that's what I've been doing in leadership over the last few years, right? Because I know that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't work outside of leadership. Okay, I got that. Well, now I'm in leadership. Guess what comes to the table in leadership? What comes to the table are my, is my giftedness and the intelligence and the personal intelligences. Yet now people don't trust me. So they're fighting me until they get it. And this is what happens to me. And this is the thing. And I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So I'm not going to say, I'm not in a place where I'm going to say, I'm not fighting adults, period. And I'm not meaning, I don't mean physically fighting though. So my today years old doesn't mean I'm never going to fight with another adult as it relates to my giftedness. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean I have to be aware and I have to be very mindful and responsible that when a fight occurs, I need to go, is that worth my fight? Is that person, honestly, is that person person worth it? Is it going to benefit the big picture for me to fight with that adult? to share that my giftedness giftedness with them just so that they can produce and prosper to be empowered. I have to pause and ask myself that question. And when I pause and I ask myself that question, if the answer is yes, then game on. The fight is on. I'm okay with that. But I have to pause first. And up until today, (laughs) up until this week, I haven't been pausing because I know that I have a gift and I have a track record of the gift and I'm just going to fight. I'm a fight for you. I'm a fight for you to be empowered, even though you don't understand it yet. And what's interesting for me, and this is one of the reasons why, I think this is one of the reasons why I'm coming to terms with, I'm not going to fight you on that, is that historically, I have fought, sometimes I win, sometimes I don't. But in almost every case when I don't win, those people will come back to me years later and go, I didn't understand it before when you were saying it. I got it now almost every time, right? So now being that I'm older, I'm 52 years old now, now I get it that even, and this is, okay, I'm getting excited here. <laughs> and I, oh, It feels like I'm a little bit off subject, but I think I'm still in the pocket. So even if This is why I'm saying I'm not going to automatically, I'm just not going to say I'm not fighting with you ever again. I'm not fighting with an adult ever again. I'd love to say that because it's so taxing for me. It's so taxing for me and it feels like a waste of my time. But the reason why I won't say I'm not fighting with adults, I'm trying to help you. What am I fighting you for? The reason why I won't write that off is because I know historically that I might look the battle is won, whether the short term, whether it's a short term or an immediate win or a long term delayed win. It's going to be a win. I'm pretty confident that I'm pretty confident that if I fight somebody and trying to and in, in trying to help them to understand how to be empowered, how to be at their maximum level production. I'm pretty confident that even if I fight them and it looks like I lo- I lost the battle today, I'm confident that in a month, in a year, in a decade, they're going to come back and go, I got it now. See, my ego needs to have that win right away. My ego needs for you to be like, oh, you're amazing. Look at what I learned through you. But mm, No, I don't have to have that now. I don't have to have that. So now when I embrace, when I stumble across a battle with an adult, because they're getting in the way of their own empowerment, I have a question I have to ask. Number one, does my ego demand that they tell me right away, right immediately that they are going to trust me? No, but that's number one. And I don't, I'm getting closer to saying, I don't need that. Sometimes I do, but I'm getting closer to not needing that. And number two, is it worth it in terms of the use of my energy that I've been put on this earth to do a particular thing? And God has assigned me to do a certain thing in that battle. If that battle relates to what I've been called to do, to what I've been put on this earth to do, then yes, I'm going to battle with that person. Even if they don't give me the immediate recognition. It doesn't matter. God knows, spirit knows, universe knows. So that's kind of where I'm at with, I'm going to play with that a little bit more. Oh, that was an interesting rabbit hole. And honestly, I don't know how I fell into it. So I'm just going to try to go back and just jump in the, back in the conversation somewhere. And hopefully if, if it's meant for me to connect some dots, I will. So just bear with me. I'm going to just jump a little bit here. So I want to go back to this these intelligences and the, the my instinctual stack. Because I have been, I feel, really do feel like I was put in this earth realm to promote empowerment, to advance empowerment. And I've, and I've really been, dealing, there are two ways, and I don't want to get too far off into this because that's not what this project is about. But I've really... Um, I'm just, that's that's another way I feel like I'm today years old. Like that is just crystal clear for me. Most of the work that I've been doing with empowerment falls under category A. I would say the last 30 years has been under category A. But there's been a sub, there's been a secondary work that I've done that I have not given myself credit for. Because I've been so enamored, so focused on Category A, but there's a Category B. Well, this week I, ca- I categorized it. I, I framed it. I named Category B as Category B. All this time, Category B was just sitting there. I was doing it. I was doing it, but I wasn't naming it. And so this week I named it. So my work with Empowerment Now has two categories. I was today there so like I got it and I really believe I was put on this earth to do that. And I talked about in that spiritual episode I did a few couple of months ago, my spirituality, like really just owning that. Like I'm not going to be emotionally well if I don't own what my spiritual assignment on this earth is. And part of not owning what my spiritual assignment is, is my discomfort with the irrational nature of saying that. Because then I have to then, I can't give you a rational thesis of this thing called God or universe. I cannot give you a rational justification of it or explanation. And because I can't, then I shy away from it. Right? Okay. But, just like with quantum physics, there are, there are components to quantum physics that they cannot prove. Even when you look at the study of gravity, there are components to the study of gravity that they cannot prove. But they, if they accept it all the same, it works. It works in the calculation. It works in the theorizing. It works in prediction. It works in formalizing. But those components they cannot prove it. They cannot provide evidence for it. But if they accept it as truth, it works. So even though I cannot justify this concept of a God, I cannot rationally explain that there's a God. I cannot rationally explain that there's a universal element to us, there's a spiritual element to us. Even if though I cannot provide evidence for it that, in, that satisfies my rational brain, if I accept it, I find that I'm well. See, in my rational self, my lo- I'm so rational, I'm so logical. I can send myself into an emotional tizzy. And so that's another way I'm today years old. It's just, ex- I, I'm, I, this feels emotional for me. Just accept it. You can't explain it. You can't, I don't know how to give you evidence for it. And I'm not saying you, you, I'm talking about myself. I don't know how to have evidence for it. But if I just accept it, all would be well. That I was put on earth for a particular assignment. And if I learn to just accept that, oh, I feel I'm getting an FI sensation, y'all. <sighs> oh, boy. If I learn to accept that and prioritize it, I'm emotional well, emotionally well. See, so I've been studying myself. Excuse me, when I get into this emotional tizzy, I've done it the last four years. I get into this emotional spiral. It takes me off center. You should see me. And it's kind of embarrassing when I do it. Because when I get into that emotional tizzy, it doesn't represent who I see myself as a calm, rational, reserved person. That's how I see myself. That's my identity. And then when I see myself in an emotional spiral, that's completely at odds with how I see myself as a rational person. So I've been trying to study myself when I get into those irrational spirals. I really have. And I've gotten closer and closer. And I feel like this week, becoming today years old, I feel like this week I finally got it. That I get into those emotional tizzy spirals because I will not accept my spiritual assignment. And my spiritual knowledge. And now I'm trying to find all these other ways to explain something. When if I just accept on the front end. That there's an irrational part of me. Oh my God, another FI sensation y'all. Just bear with me. If I just accept that there's an irrational part of me. That I'm calling spiritual. It would just make. It would make. Uh, all things would settle into place um about a year ago i put some i called this um i did a episode called the conceptual map i think it was the s e episode i think i did an episode called s e the letter s the letter e it was s e something and it was right after my dad died trans i don't remember, but in that episode. I think it was that episode that I was talking about. I have learned to keep my house clean now. Once I created a conceptual map for my house. Once I understood that there was a map, a a map for everything in my house. I had to turn everything in my house into a concept. Everything in my house is a concept first before it's a physical thing. So it's a concept first and it all works together into what's called a conceptual map. I had that learning two years ago well what I'm working on now is a conceptual map for my social life I'm nowhere near ready for that to come out the oven but it's what I'm working on and somewhere a year ago I, t- I, I said to myself that everything in my life needs to have a conceptual map. I'm, a, I'm an N.I. dime everything is conceptual and I must oh my god I must um it must have be conceptual first, it must have a conceptual map, and that's kind of how i'm coming to terms with that's what I feel like today years old one of the branches of my today years old that I need to accept who I am as a spiritual being, and sometimes something can rub me. The wrong way because it's out of sync with my spiritual convictions. See, what happens is when I hit uh, something that's out of sync with my spiritual convictions. This is before my birth, my birth, right before my today's years old birth. I know. Okay, I live my life conceptually. I, I'm driven by just conceptual, conceptual truths. Well, those truths are driven by all of my training all of these theoretical models so i'm a systems thinker so systems theory is a a spiritual truth that i'm it's a framework that helps me to understand my spiritual truth so you have systems theory myers-briggs is one enneagram is um it's slowly becoming one even though i say it a lot i haven't fully locked it in yet um the multiple intelligences is one um um, uh, there's another one called the ecology of human development. That's another one, um, higher order um, self-actualization, right? So there are these big theories that I have, that I have really adopted as truths because they speak to my spiritual sense. Okay, okay, but there are some spiritual sense. There are some. There's a part of me spiritually that is that exists that I haven't found a theoretical framework to capture. So when I encounter a thing that is disjointed, that I find disjointing, I go to my theories and I go, okay, all right, this is what's happening. This thing that I'm experiencing is in conflict with this theory. Okay. But... Being today years old is me accepting that underneath those theories is a is my spiritual conviction, or are my spiritual convictions and if i can 't go to a theory to make it make sense, what happens is that I start trying to call people the extroverted thinker in me wants to get outside of my feelings and go to i need to have some kind of objective knowing. Right. So either I'm going to go to my theories I go to my readings, or I can't go to my readings. Then I go to people and it just I would say 75 percent of the time it makes it worse. But what I realized this week being today is, oh, what I realized this week is that I'm not going to those other people looking for an emotional connection. I'm looking for something intellectual. And if they don't have the spiritual connect convictions that I have, they're not going to be able to give it to me. And then it makes it worse. And then I spiral. I'm really excited by this really this breakthrough, you all. To get back, there are a couple of things located here. Number one, I'm going back to when I encounter something that is that feels emotional for me. It's because there's a disjointedness between the event and my spiritual convictions. So that's number one. Number two, to tell myself, okay, what are your basic theoretical foundations? If I can't, if I can't locate a theoretical foundation to match that conflict, before going to a person um, to try to seek this objective truth, I really need to first. I need to pray about it. And it sounds so weird to say it because that's just so not me. I'm going to pray about it. But I need to do that. (laughs) It feels so weird to say that. But I'm going to try. I'm going to practice that. So that's one thing being today, your zone. Let me fast forward because we're already passing. I I really do want to go to church. And now I have 15 minutes between now when the church service is going to start. And you're probably listening saying she ain't going to make it. She's not going to make it, but that's okay. We're going to call this part one. I'm going to try. Let me say this and then I'll try to close here. My instinctual stack. I have accepted to be social self-preservation. But one of the things I'm thinking about is that I'm so deeply connected to the spiritual creative me that I'm wondering, is a part of me that wonders if self-sexual needs to be moved up in my stack. And this is where I was going when I derailed early in the conversation. The reason why it's hard for me to say I'm going to move sexual because right now I have sexual third in my stack. I've placed sexual last. Because the way people treat that instinct is sexual as in one to one to human to human. But I remember listening to a YouTube channel, this guy on YouTube, I can't find the video, but he, this dude talks about, he says he's social sexual, but he's an INTJ. And his sexual isn't related to person to person is related to, to knowing and projects. Well, if I allow myself to think about sexual, not as human to human, but as in human to knowing and human to production, then I'm absolutely sexual because that's exactly what I do is in creation. And, and I think that this is why we have that framework off Because I am an INTJ 8. I am social. But my social isn't related to. Oh I want to be. In this. One on one. Social relationship with you. I, I am highly in tune. To the collective. To the group. I'm very much aware. Of the needs of the group. And that is first for me. and that's. But I'm also doing it through an analytical lens, not through an emotional lens. I'm doing it as an INTJ. And so the Enneagram, I don't think really, I don't think the literature accounts for INTJs in the social part. And so the literature doesn't really speak to me But I, I think I am social as an INTJ being analytical about the group, the needs of the group. I'm going to be very committed to the, to the structural needs of the group, the systems needs of the group. I'm very much wired for that. And I'm very much wired to do structural creation, structural production. That's what I give birth to all the time. And if I can allow myself to account for that, then i it's possible that I'm social, sexual, just like that dude said on YouTube. It's possible. And that the self-preservation me, which is a part of me that's just starting to blossom in the last five years. You guys have been, you've been a witness to it in the last three. That's what this entire project has been. Focused on how do I take care of myself? You big know, bundles of toilet paper. And if I was really self-preservation first, I would have been not struggling here. And then there's another part of me that says, which is true, if you look at, if you read about the self-preservation eight, it says that we can survive, Through difficult times. And that is true. I know how to survive. But it comes at a cost. My world fell apart. I still was surviving. But my material. Well, excuse me. My my material health fell apart. So it it just got me thinking. It really. It would be deeply Fascinating. For me to discover out of all of this time when I've said social self-preservation, that what if I was really social-sexual first? Hell, what if it I was really self-sexual-social? With the understanding that my sexual is not about human-to-human, it's about human-to-systems. So anyway... So there's more I want to say. <laughs> I do want to tell you about the, um, the three conversations I had this week. Fascinating. And I think it still relates to this. I was today years old. But, um, and some readings that I did. I'd like to come back and share that with you. But I'm going to go to church. It's not church, church. I have to explain it to you when I get back. So I'm going to go. I think I'm going to name this episode the sexual me. <laughs> And I feel bad for people who come here thinking that, (laughs) thinking that I'm talking about human intercourse, but, but just think about it. What if it does connect to the sexual, actual intercourse me? Because I'm learning to become more and more comfortable with talking about sex. I'm biting my nose right now. You guys can't see that. Like, yikes. Still uncomfortable, but I'm less uncomfortable than I was when I first started doing it. The sexual me. There's a discovery here, y'all. I'm not done talking about it, but I got to go. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'll tell you why on the other side. So I'll be back. Those of you who listen to this before I get back, I'm going to come back and do a part two. You guys, if this reflection has had any value, please give it a heart at this conversation about the Enneagram Instinctual Stack, about the Myers-Briggs and the wiring, about the cognitive orientation and emotions and feelings, and just those systems of being theoretical, being spiritual. In this very, most people talk about spiritual as it relates to religion, and I'm not judging that. I'm not going to minimize that. But. What I'm proposing is that there's a, we all have a spiritual self outside of the religion. See, to me, religion is just how some man, I'm going to say man, literally man, some man formalized his spirituality and made it consumable for the masses. But we all have a spirituality that we could formalize. And I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just saying for me, I'm just truly trying to come to terms with my spirituality is. I can align it to Christianity, but I'm at a place of maturity where my spirituality is not dictated by man's treatment of Christianity. By someone else's spirituality that's been formalized and pushed out to be consumed. But anyway, if you've had this conversation in the world or some semblance of it, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about has caused some randomness, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website, edgyerniedown.wordpress.com. I'm not going to give you an assignment because I'm going to come back and do a part two and see where this reflection around I was today years old takes me. Because I'm not done with it. i just give giving you a part of it around the sexual me. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. With you. I'm going to come back, you guys. Let me start off. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.